When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I am here with Nick. Everyone's surprised. They know. We know. Everyone knows that I'm here, too, Michael. How are you? Very, very good. It's just not the same if you're not here. I know. It's much more quiet. (laughs) Just me talking to myself the whole time? Uh, Yeah, that sucks. Trust me. I am not a big fan of doing podcasts like that. So how have you been? I've. uh, We have spring. Spring is finally coming. Yeah, I call that sponge season because it feels like the ground that was frozen and dry is now getting rid of so much water. Combine that with the rain and my yard's a swamp. Yeah, it's, it was raining pretty hard today. Hard enough for me in my office in the back of Dabble to just hear it hitting the building, which is this this building doesn't transfer sound very easily. So, you know, it was really raining. You see, I didn't think it was raining that hard here, but I went to um, Gordon's on Center Road to pick up food for uh, this weekend, and uh, I had to keep my windshield wipers on like full blast because it was it was coming down pretty hard. Visibility wasn't great, but gotcha. Well, think- the moment it was warm, you saw on Facebook, like I was already in spring mode. The moment <laughs> I drove by the hardware store, the Ace here in town had pallets in the back. I wanted to go jump around, dig through them. Uh, uh, Mike, I you... did. I did go to the hardware store because you know edible landscape needs all the things, and I went and got some trays and some stuff to start seeds. Mike, you stock garden sections like NASCAR fans hunt for McRibs. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's it's the craziest thing to see this guy that was like you were so not who you are now, like back in the day, to see you just like go and start looking at different types of flowers and soils and to see the look of pure bliss in your face when your hands are filthy and you're like putting worms in the dirt. And it's, it's awesome. It really is. Yep. I drove by, it was, I drove by, saw the pallets, came home, wrote a post on Facebook about, am I the only person that gets excited when Ace is starting to get shipments for the spring in? And then jumped back in the truck, drove back up to Ace and found some things that we could use for edible landscape project. The quote, uh, John Madden, Ace is the place. <laughs> so that's what I started. We did some yard cleanup, not much because I want to leave it on the yard as much as possible. Just some, some, some little things because I'll take some of those wet leaves and pack them in the bottom of mm-hmm. pots and different things. So we went and started, let's see, about 300 plants just in tomato species, pepper species, and broccoli. Now it may not be 300. Hang on. It's uh it's 150. So no, no, numbers are a little off there, Mike. Yeah, it's half of that. So <laughs> I still have a few more to plant early because we'll we'll lose some of those, of course. And then as we get closer, the green beans and all that stuff can be planted just a little bit in advance. Same okay. with like cucumbers and all that fun jazz. But anything that needs to be planted way early just got planted. So we have the, the little cups. And uh, Jamie's excited because I'm starting to pull all my garden stuff out of the uh, what I call her workspace or our garage. <laughs> and uh, so she knows those are all coming out because I'm going to put plants in each and every one of them. 
and they'll be out of the garage at least for the season. Yeah. So your garden season is her crafting season. She's very handy. Yes. <laughs> well, her crafting season, let's be fair, is, is a 12-month experience. It's just not always outside. That's fair. She's an equal opportunity crafter. I agree. <laughs> she is. And we, and so I'll start putting up some of the edible landscape signs. Some of that stuff is so we're I'm feeling it. One day of warmth. And it like went right to my soul. I'm glad it went to your soul. I don't think it penetrated the first layer of my skin, but... uh. It was nice. I think I so I get real, real bummed out, and it, it's a food service thing. I, I don't get seasonal depression. I don't get upset when I see snow, but I get legit really disappointed and sad when it is just like the first perfect day in a long time. It's like 65, 70 degrees, and I'm in a kitchen cooking hot dogs and hamburgers. I'm like, oh God, I don't <laughs> want to be here anymore. Not that I not that there's anything specific I would even do outside. I just look at it. I look at it like a prisoner behind bars. Like someday I'm going to be free and I'm never coming back. And then I get out and go home and go to bed, do the exact same thing the next day. So, yeah. Well, you're probably pretty close from from ending that, except for you'll be still cooking just for you. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how close I haven't actually set an end date yet, but I think that we're at the the financial threshold are very close to it to where I don't actually need to have a job. I think that I, I have enough income coming out or coming in this year from, from events that I should be able to uh, draw a paycheck uh, from the company and not have to work at the bar. Woo-hoo. I'm pretty excited. That is uh, exciting. It's been not bad for what a year. Uh, yeah, it was officially a year in the middle of March. So yeah. So I've been like the 13th or 14th was officially a year. Nice. Excellent. That means you are ramping up very, very quickly. Uh, We are. So we had, when we first started, and I've I've mentioned this before, it was one of those things where we just kind of fell into a, it was like lucky for us, but it was like someone else's misfortune was our fortune. We fell into a market that was, you know, upended because of COVID. And so we just kind of picked up the pieces as many as we could. And because of that, and we did a good job on those, you know, it gave us a pretty strong online presence and um, good reviews and lots of people that had, you know, that, that, that vouch for us venues and stuff like that. So we're getting, we're getting two to three, sometimes as much as six inquiries online a day for, for booking us. I'm actually having to turn down more bookings and I'm taking new ones because everyone wants to get married in the same day. So that's a good problem to have. I hate the idea of turning down bookings, but I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to sacrifice the quality of work for the service I offer just to get more money in the till. So I'm not going to cut my staff down to bring in another party when I'm not even sure if I can handle it. Right. Understandable. That's good. And that's probably why there's going to be a line of people waiting for your food. I hope so. So here we are coming into spring and I I don't know if you are, but I'm already starting to kind of pull things out of the house, do this springtime cleaning looking at the yard, what needs to be done, all the prep that comes along with good weather. But I assume most people are. I assume possibly I am not. I look I look at things a little differently since since 2018 and I've been catering. It's it's a seasonal industry. I look at my house like what can I get rid of that I don't need anymore? Not that I'm a minimalist or anything like that, but I, I'm really, the older I get, the more I, I despise a cluttered house. And I know that most of the things that are cluttered are mine, whether it be for 
online inventory or things that I've just collected over the years or someone was throwing something away and I took it because I didn't really think it needed to get thrown away, even though I didn't necessarily have a use for it. I took it under the guise that I would find someone that did. So I look at my house and I'm I'm ready to start liquidating and getting rid of stuff again. And plus, during the wedding season, Michael, at the end of like a long Saturday, when I get home at like midnight, one in the morning, I don't want to spend half an hour, 45 minutes picking up the house. I just want to relax and go to bed. Yeah, it's understandable. And I'm starting to get to the point with all the projects going on. It's becoming very challenging. I know Jamie's been carrying the heavy lifting when it comes to the house quite often. I need to start like bringing the bringing the laundry to dabble. So that when I'm on conference calls, I can fold or something because it's, the time is just not there. But the moment warmth hits me. All I want to do is stop everything and start playing in the yard. And it kind of correlates to what we what, what I want to talk about. And because right now people are starting their planning of what their yard is going to look like. I want to talk about landscaping for comfort. For comfort. For comfort. There's a lot of different ways that becomes true. Okay. So first things first, if you have a ton of plants already there, start looking at them, seeing which ones can be split. That's one of the greatest things we did in Duran last year that I took home with me. Well, I take that back. Jamie took home with us is that when you're, when you got plants getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you can split them if, as long as it's the right time of year. Mm-hmm. All these different plants that we have that grow year after year, as they get larger, she keeps splitting them, adding them to, to a different spot, adding them to a different spot. Next thing you know, you've got this huge row, huge, beautiful section of plants and it really just came from one or two. So before you know, before we start talking about this, realize that you can trade with neighbors. You don't always have to go to the nursery. You don't always have to buy them. Matter of fact, I was just researching. I have that pitcher plant, that carnivore mm-hmm. plant, the carnivorous plant. Mm-hmm. I'm learning because it's good, very big size, very big in size, how to split it because I want to make seven or eight of them, even if they're small and I want to make a bunch of them. I like those plants. They're really cool. So I'm going to split it off and uh, hopefully end up with a ton of those. Sweet. So the same thing can kind of happen when you're at home. Again, I think we laughed about this in season two. Pretty soon we'll find out if all of the trees I rescued throughout the... throughout my property that fell and started growing up next to the house and Mm -hmm. all these things that I potted. We're going to find out how they're doing, if all of them are good. Addison still has an apple tree that we planted from a store-bought an apple. Mm-hmm. We planted a seed. Actually, we planted a few. This was the only survivor. So all these trees sitting on the porch, we'll see how they did. But that was just ones that you know you go to cut around the house and you find a maple tree growing up beside your mm-hmm. house that's four inches tall. Instead of cutting it, I dug it up and kept it and grew it. So... The same thing applies when you're planning on all your landscaping and you're planning on everything around the house. Uh, look and see what you can split up, where you can get extra. You don't always have to buy it. It's hmm. a good idea. So when I talk about landscaping for comfort, there's a handful of things. Actually, I'm going to bring up a very old problem that you and I used to have way back when, because I've learned how I should have fixed it. Okay. When we when we lived in Flushing, the backyard flooded. <laughs> yeah, it was wet. It was, and it, it was it was quite literally a pool. Yeah, I mean, it was at times more than a foot deep in the backyard, mm-hmm. and 
it never happened in the past when there was the, the weeping willow there. And as a kid, I kept thinking, man, that tree drank a lot of water, but it had mm. nothing to do with it drinking the amount of water. That backyard was clay. Because that tree was there and because that tree was vibrant, water could follow the root systems. Yeah, the, the, the roots would you know spread into the clay, open paths up for water to go. Right. And for a while after the tree was gone, we didn't have problems because they can't take out that full root system. But as that root system, ginormous. and as it dies and contracts and no longer lives, that clay moves back into those positions. And next thing you know, we had no drainage. And that was to be said very lightly because I would just use pool oh. pumps in the backyard for about two months. Well, I remember. Water. I remember getting angry and throwing a shovel down and starting a geyser that went three feet in the air all day long. <laughs> yes, you did. But yeah. the whole problem stemmed from the removal of that tree. Mm -hmm. When I talk about different kinds of comforts, one of them, I mean, trees for me have a, have a ton of comforts. But one of them is if you have a piece of property that retains a ton of water, mm -hmm. you can solve that by planting one tree. And even if you're just trying to do just that, just try to solve the water problem. You will. You will. It will drink some of it, but it will primarily spread its roots out beyond whatever whatever is holding it there, and you'll get a a drain through the tree. See, our house is surrounded by by large trees between oaks and maples, and we never have a problem with our yard. It's never even. It's never wet. There's never standing water in my yard, and so I assume that's probably you know why. Uh, even when it rains so heavy that it floods my basement, there's never water standing in my yard. Yeah, you it, with all those trees there, you have a ton of route, especially if they're large, mature trees. The larger and more mature the tree is, the larger the root system is. Oh, they're huge. So even if you, you know, you may not solve it today, but if you plant a tree where it's in a low spot in the yard, a couple of years down the road, as that root system starts to spread out more and more, it will penetrate the clay. It'll move beyond whatever's blocking that water. And that water will just start following it year over year, which, by the way, makes the tree healthier. It's getting plenty of water. You know, so that's so one part of that comfort is when you look out into a yard and it's flooded, it is not happiness. You are not in <laughs> joy of the, the mess that your yard has. Plant a tree. Plants anything with a deep root system will do that. There are several advantages to landscaping for comfort. I'll start with what we expect when I say that. You probably didn't expect going straight to drainage, but beautiful gardens bring in wonderful wildlife. The birds that are chirping, they live in those trees. Mm -hmm. So what you start getting these health benefits when you can reduce stress. Stress does amazing things to the human mind and body. Being stressed can make you ill, even when mm -hmm. you're not ill. And nice gardens, nice places to sit, excellent fragrances like lavender, roses. These are all things that just simply relax people. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm not much of a gardener. We, we're going to work on putting a memorial garden in for my grandma. But I guess I've always, I've never looked at gardens the way you do. But I do look at certain, like, I, I enjoy flowers. I, I enjoy flowers quite a bit. I love just looking at them not like in a book or anything but like i've always been wanted to go outside and lay on the ground and look at it and look at it like a even a dandelion and watch the things that crawl in and out of it and i find it to be really interesting 
Yeah, it's anything that helps you relax like that, anything that gets you looking and thinking, and next thing you know, you're just relaxed and comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, when I say lands, landscaping for comfort, some of it is that. Create that beauty, bring in the wildlife you want around you, and be able to sit out and enjoy it. I think we've all heard me say tons of times in the past, my deck, this my monstrosity of a deck, would mm-hmm. be completely useless without the tree we built around because it's only comfortable out there because of the shade. Gotcha. You know, we only like to sit out there because it is 10 degrees cooler than walking out into the yard. Mm-hmm. You get the nice tunnel effect, nice cool air moving through. The tree does all the natural canopy work for me. Mm -hmm. And we can set up our our seats and really enjoy it. You know, so when you're you're designing this year, when you're looking at what you want to do, make sure you have shade. And if you don't have a tree, remember, it's those people who plant a tree who don't experience its shade that kind of understand the meaning of life. It is... And yes, I stole that from like a meme on Facebook that I've read, but it is true. You, if you can enjoy it, someone will. And because someone planted that tree in my yard, we love our space. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that when you plant a tree, you're planting something for generations to come. That's far going to outlive you. It, and to be honest, because of that, the life cycle on most trees is with how old we are now, there's a potential that some trees may not be mature before we pass away. Right, right. So. So, but you want to make those plans, do those things. You want to ensure that comfort. Mm-hmm. And you're doing the same thing by putting the plants around you you enjoy. Now, there's functional reasons beyond just the simple joys. I like sitting there. I love the fact that Jameson plants so many sunflowers because your tiny flying pandas, as you've once called them, or bumblebees, <laughs> yes, are one of the my favorite insects to watch i and once pet but it is i love that she plants them because they're always full of those bees yeah they're awesome and i get to sit and watch them all the time so it's some people get a fish tank so they can watch the fish to stay calm i like bumblebees well i i think that if you can if you can draw any type of contentment or calming from watching nature i think that you should definitely do more of it and i am that person i could stare at water for hours and just stare at it and it i can't explain it it just does something to me and i've always been like that bees i just i think bumblebees are cool i think they're adorable i also have the same kind of feeling if you will it's more fun to watch a bumblebee but i like listening to birds just sitting on my deck with birds chirping Mm -hmm. is a good day heck yeah it is and it's a great day it is and so that's another one of those things that you know, if, if you're that person, then you need these things to keep these birds around, you know? Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you mean. So, but there are other way, other things I'm talking about here, and that mm-hmm. is being a little more strategic. And when I say you're doing it for comfort, you're either reducing a cost, you're reducing uh, some kind of labor, or you're creating that peace of mind happiness. These are mm-hmm. all part of comfort. And kind of like when people would come to me about the edible landscape project and say, but didn't you have a ton of maintenance? Well, we didn't have a ton because we planned on where things went. You know, Mm -hmm. it was very methodical on how we did it. You want to do the same thing with your own yard. Hence the whole 
split your plants to get more plants kind of thing. But there's also a lot of yards and mine is going to start in my tiny yard because as you know, the storm messed up our fencing Mm -hmm. and while it was still frozen, it froze at an angle to the point where it was challenging to get in and out of the driveway. And due to my laziness of not going out there and just start cutting it with a saw, we just drove further to the right on the driveway and wore out a groove in the dirt. Really? Well, that's where all the drain from the roof goes. Mm. So now you, when it's a heavy rain, I'm sure like today, it just created this nice little river, which means the soil is going to start moving. So I'll have to do some things to prevent my soil from eroding away off into the street because that's where it will end up. And then back into our sewer drains, and we've all talked about combined sewer and water drains. Mm-hmm. But for people have sections in their yard where water is constantly eroding parts of the yard away. What a great place to put plants. They will hold. They will hold it all there. That's one one of the things that you see when you see farmers uh, fields in Michigan. You see these like islands of trees. Yeah, this it stops like I think. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like I think those are designed to, uh, during dry periods to stop the wind from blowing the dirt away. Breaks up the wind and keeps it from scooping up as much soil. Dust bowl era. I guess the dry periods. Yeah. Yep, type solution. And that's what I'm talking about here. You've got parts of the yard that are constantly washing out. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Trees, bushes, even just flowers, like bulbs, some deep-rooted mm-hmm. bulbs, because it will hold that soil there as the water moves. And as you know, the root structure over time will actually keep the water from running past there to start running it back down. Because as a sustainability nerd, I don't want any water leaving my property. Will it? Yes. I will have some water that leaves my property, but I want it to go down into the ground and recharge Mm -hmm. the aquifers long before it runs into the street, washes the oil and coolant down into our drain system so that we can later pay to have it removed at the water treatment plant. Mm -hmm. I want as much water to stay on my property as I can, especially because there's going to be drier parts of the season and you want as much in the ground as possible. Mm-hmm. That's less watering, less waste, all that fun jazz. So like one of the things I've been looking into is, is where the gutters run down. Mm-hmm. I've always dug it out and laid stone. So water would go down at least a little bit before it would try to run off down gotcha. the road. But the the couple was it last year we planted a raspberry bush near one. Wow, that's got to be huge. Not yet. It's oh. it it's over by the the trash house as I call it. But okay. as it gets bigger, we'll keep trimming it and keeping it where we want it. But it will start to get bigger. The roots will get deeper, and I'm curious to see will that water stay there? Will it then follow the root structure of the raspberry bush, feeding it through at least the spring and into the early summer, or will it? be coming out too fast and still end up down the way. So if it's my goal is to put something, I want to hide my downspouts. I don't think they're as nice looking as bushes or other plants, Mm -hmm. you know, so we have hostas and things like that covering them. So that's what this is the beginning of. If that's true, then as you'll see, I'll start planting it down the driveway at each and every spot so that the water stays there. Well, it's a really good idea, and in theory, it should work. I don't know. 
if the roots go deep enough, you you won't know until you try. Well, and we've got other problems. I was looking at spots where there isn't gutters. So the water comes off the house and creates this carving effect right at, you, right at the base of your house, right there at mm-hmm. the foundation. And tends to lend to leaks within the foundation. That's a really, really good spot for bushes. First of all, the bushes are going to hold the ground in place. Mm-hmm. Second of all, when the water comes pouring down, it hits the top of the bush, not the ground. It doesn't, you don't get that carving effect. Mm-hmm. It just disperses it throughout the bush yeah. and, wa- and waters everything around it. Yeah, not to say the water's not going to eventually make it to the ground, but it doesn't have the same impact. Yeah. Yeah, it's it that's literally all you're doing is breaking that velocity mm-hmm. so that it doesn't carve out this this spot in your yard. You just have nice, well watered bushes that you don't have to water throughout the season because the rain does it for you in bulk off the house. But the bigger part is is you also reduce the damage to the house because mm-hmm. as you carve in and more water gets in, uh, water is one of the strongest forces you'll you'll battle in your lifetime. I always tell everybody, try really, really hard not to because when you run out of money, water will then win. Like you can hold it back as long as you can afford to hold it back. But once you can't afford it, water in time will win. doesn't matter you're if you're wrong. trying to move a river. It doesn't matter if you're trying to maintain a pool. Water will go wherever it wants to when given the opportunity. Well, yeah. I mean, it's one of the, the greatest things about water is that it's it's so pliable. And it's uh, there's this, this old video of Bruce Lee talking, and I'm pretty sure it's fake. But where he talks about you would be like water when you when water's in the bottle, it becomes the bottle. When water's in the stone, it becomes the stone. It just takes the form of whatever it is. And if it's moving, it doesn't necessarily need a lot of pressure it just needs to be constant that's why you see all those rounded rocks inside rivers the water itself isn't that it's going super hard or super fast it's just constantly coming and coming and coming and it wears down over time wears down everything Mm -hmm. and it can really do damage on your property it can really it can make a mess and if we like i said landscape for comfort by making things nice it really does help if you've got a rain barrel you can hide it I know mm-hmm. a lot of people, I, I don't mind the look of a rain barrel, but I know a lot of people do. It can be hidden right behind foliage. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, that foliage can even dip into the water. It's going to drink it anyways. You know, it's just simply how do you design your property? Another big aspect of that is property value. Just I, there would be a distinct difference in property value if that tree in my backyard is there or isn't. Okay. Just because of the comfort. Someone walks out of the deck and says, ooh, this deck's hot. It's a nice deck. It's just really hot out there and, mm, and walks back in. It doesn't click in their mind as a homey place to live. But if you go out there and sit down and it's a beautiful breeze, a, a nice shade, and the birds are chirping, it mm-hmm. creates that value. And the same thing with your front landscaping. Have you ever seen those houses for sale where they just take an empty piece of land and plop a house on it and say for sale? Yeah. And you tend to find guys who go in there, do a bunch of beautiful landscaping, do a few extra things inside the house, and then immediately resell it a year later for more. <laughs> just, yeah, a lot there, more. Just because there was value in the, the beautification of it. Well, yeah, and really that, that goes without saying, but it's on top of actually having benefits you're going to get from using things like the landscaping and stuff like that to keep water in your soil. It does make it more appealing. And if it's more appealing, it's going to sell for more. Yeah. And that's, and that's one of the things I want everybody to think about when you're doing these things, 
a lot of times we find a plant, we go, ooh, a plant, and we just stick it in the ground somewhere. We have to be a little more strategic. And if we are, it really increases our comfort, the property value, and your overall likeness of the home. If you can do some things, plus if you can put a plant somewhere and it eliminates later bills or maintenance, why not? I think it's a great idea. For example, on the, you know, I guess it would be the south side of my house. It, it, there's a little bit of open space there. We put up the big stairway. It doesn't look natural. We're looking at like lilac bushes because airflow through the house comes from that window. Mm -hmm. So if we get a large lilac bush there, which I love the smell of, then in the spring I can open those windows up and it just pushes the scent through the house. The only, I don't think you're going to mind this, but I'm just going to tell you, the only downside to having lilacs, you run into the same thing with hyacinth, is that because of how amazing they smell and how strong that smell is, Ants are a big problem with those bushes, but I mean, it's my favorite flower. I love lilacs. We have like three different colors here. Mm -hmm. And it's, we had one at Carpenter Road that came from the farm, you know, so I just, it it's, you know, smell ties to memory stronger than anything else. And I just mm -hmm. like those. Plus it will hide the staircase or some of it. It will make it look nicer in that area. When air pushes through there in the summer, I'll be able to get the the, the scent of lilac pushed throughout the house naturally mm -hmm. and not through a plug-in of some kind. Which is great because it'll help me sleep on your couch and it'll blow Jamie's sinuses out of the wood. Like it'll just, <laughs> it our will. face will swell like a balloon. <laughs> but then in the winter, that's, that air still travels that way. And instead of that bare wall of the house constantly being bombarded, as that lilac bush gets bigger and bigger, mm -hmm. it can manage that air. It can manage that when it breaks it up, it changes the velocity and it doesn't hit the house. That will change my bill noticeably. That's good. In the winter time. Because I was trying to explain that years ago to Aunt Judy. She bought this little trailer on the top of a hill up north. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh my goodness, it's like $500 to keep this place even reasonably warm throughout the winter. I kept saying, okay, plant bushes around the base. It's a trailer. It has skirting. Plant some bushes around there. And that will help with the freezing of pipes and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And then start putting some trees. You know, not right next to the house. Just sporadically put them around the property. And mm -hmm. that will break up the wind. And that bill will drop dramatically. Because she was up on top of this hill just getting bombarded. It, I bet she there, was. There was nothing near her property. It was one big open space with a house on the peak of it. When you say trail, you mean like a mobile home? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, they're they're not even really what you call insulated very well. Like, they're already going to be terrible for consumers. Yeah. So, <laughs> if she would have started looking into landscaping around the property, yes, you pay for a tree. Yes, you pay for a bush. But if you wait to the end of seasons or late in the seasons, you can get things inexpensive. And they tend, as long as you take care of them, they tend to be vibrant, mm -hmm. you know, over time. Even the ones that look like they're wilting just need a little help. If you do that, that her bill probably would have dropped at least $100, at least. Because that wind up north, when it gets cold, it's very close to zero Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not below, and the wind can be 10 miles an hour, just beating on this mm -hmm. this mobile home that has maybe two, three inches of insulation tops. Well, yeah, but that's, but that's only the walls. 
keep in mind, even if they're on a foundation, mobile homes don't, aren't really built all that sturdy on the bottom where they have all the plumbing and stuff. It, it, it's you hear so many stories about them with burst pipes. It's like it's every time I hear about a burst pipe, I almost guarantee it's a mobile home. And, I, and obviously, I know there are certain situations, but they're just terrible. I'm so glad I don't live in one anymore. Yeah, and there's people who buy hay bales and put them around the outside every year. Or if you just plant bushes <laughs> the one time and keep them trimmed, it solves the problem for you. Hmm. But the same thing happens for the summer, how we talked about sitting on the back porch mm-hmm. and you get that nice breeze and you've got this nice shade. The same thing happens with your electric bill in the summertime. If your if your house is in the shade of a tree. Mm-hmm. Your air conditioning bill is probably 20% less than your neighbor's who's exposed. Okay. Because it's... it's only air conditioning, the heat difference, and you don't have the sun beating down on it like you would on some mm-hmm. because the tree is is taking that. Trees can take that just fine. Mm-hmm. It just greatly reduces that energy consumption. Mm. That's really cool. I never thought about that for AC. Oh, it's it's on both sides. You it, it's either breaking up the wind and reducing the cold, or shading a property. It's no different than sitting on the porch. If you're, I remember, be I, I went down to Alabama, and I was standing in the shade of a Saturn V rocket that was on the side of the expressway. They had this memorial, mm-hmm. and I could reach my hand out from the shade, and it felt like it was burning, <laughs> and I could bring it back into the shade. And I felt fine because it was so hot down there that day. Well, that's just a little, that's amplified, of course, or exaggerated for Michigan, but it really is a very distinct difference in temperatures. Oh, for sure. You know, from being in shade and out of shade. And your house doesn't have to do that extra work. Well, you can see the difference. I mean, everyone's house is going to be a little different, but you can take a real hot day and take a bottle of water and pour it on the ground in the shade and pour it on the ground, like under the sun and just time it on which one goes away faster. It's, there really is a discernible difference in terms of the heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This same landscaping that we can do to make the property look beautiful can also have functional uses and allow it to pay for itself. Mm-hmm. Now, before I close this up here, I, it would be a complete miss if I don't say it can be food too. Yes. So when you're doing the front gardens, there's a lot of beautiful plants that Mm -hmm. can really make it look great. You can have a lot of greenage and have bright, vibrant peppers calling out colors in the garden. Mm -hmm. And, And it's still food. You're reducing your cost over time. And if you're good at it, you'll keep your own seeds and year over year over year have a zero cost in what you're doing. But it still looks beautiful and it makes everybody look because I'll tell you right now, when they look over and see vegetables, people get confused. Yeah, I bet they do. Most people plant um, gardens and it's just flowers and stuff, you know, aesthetically pleasing. But when you like your house where everything growing is pretty much edible, it's, it's definitely different. It is. And it's beautiful. You can really get some vibrant colors and some unique plants. I have gotten extra uh, Swiss uh, was it the the red Swiss chard? Because mm-hmm. I think they're gorgeous. Very pretty. 
you know, and for me, if I need a ground cover somewhere, I think I found it. And yes, I'm going to get some bunnies, but I'll tell you, if nature isn't eating things you've grown, you're not part of the ecosystem. <laughs> it just happens. Do what I do. Throw some sacrificial seed a little further away. Give them an easy meal that's a little further out and they'll stay away from the rest of the stuff. If you plan it, they will come. I mean, they, to be fair. <laughs> they will either way. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just saying, but to be fair, though, you really you are growing their food, so it makes sense. Yeah, and it's, and let's be honest, we can share. Yeah, There's, I mean, you can grow plenty. The great thing about growing from seed is it's, it's inexpensive. It's the grocery mm-hmm. store that's expensive. Oh, my God, is it? And we can grow a ton of food. I live on what Nick calls a postage stamp piece of property. Oh, it's tiny. And I give food away. I give away all the extras because Jamie can only can so much and I can only blanch and freeze so much and we can only eat so much. And next thing you know, we're going, Hey, anybody wants some zucchini? I Hold have on. 12. Jamie cans. Yeah. She makes spaghetti sauce and she makes salsa. Oh, I'm putting that girl to work this year. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want eating one of those two things, but I got a lot of stuff I need. I hate canning. I think it's amazing. And I think it has tons of purposes. I just don't care for it. But I like I like having the food on hand. So, you know, you, be honest, most of us just go buy all the produce. We beg my mom to do it. She cans <laughs> the tomatoes and all the other stuff. See, it's, and you buy the produce, you might as well have bought the cans. No, I don't agree. Why would I buy? Why would I buy cans if I can? My mom can make a better product. Well, because you want get your produce from the ground in your neighborhood. Go. Grow it yourself, grow it, get it from my garden, get it from Duran's Edible Landscape Project. It will taste a hundred times better. We do. Oh, I thought you were talking about, you said get, buy, buy the produce. I was thinking Kroger, Myers. Okay, here's where I say something rude and mean about commercial agriculture. If I wanted to can commercial produce, I would just buy a gallon of water because <laughs> there's no flavor. It's, yeah, and that's what I was meaning. Now, granted, there's certain things we have to. A pineapple, we got to go to the store and we got to buy it. A kiwi, same thing applies. There's certain things we can't grow here without a without a really good greenhouse. And honestly, I won't grow pineapples after learning how long it takes them to grow anyways. Right. Wasn't it you that told me that the entire life cycle of a plant only produces three pieces of fruit? Four. Only the first, oh, four, but it's like the first one that you would deem reasonably edible. The like first one is the sweetest, most delicious. The second one is edible yet sweet. The third one is great for flavoring. And the fourth one is almost non-edible, but still used for flavor. See, and then they burn go. the plant and start over. <laughs> yeah, true story. Learned that while I was in Hawaii. Nice, nice bus driver taught it to me as we were but, on our way to the dole plant. And isn't it like a bush, though? It's not like a tree. It is a bush. Yep. So, I mean, it makes sense, though, if it's a bush. It's not like it has a tree with a giant root system to produce. Like, when you look at, like, citrusy fruits and, you know, oranges come off of trees, pineapple comes off a bush. I mean, I can understand why it takes so long to make that. Right. So, anyways, hopefully everybody gets something from this episode. I wanted to really start talking spring because I feel it coming. And I know that if anybody is like me, they're immediately starting to make plans on the property on what they're going to do this year. Uh, I know Jamie already was too. She's already started cutting wood and looking at different things that she can build. And it just takes one warm day 
to thaw your soul and get you moving. So I wanted to take this moment, have this discussion, and hopefully some when people are putting things in the ground, they're splitting their existing plans, not spending money there. They're they're making the house better, mm-hmm. creating less maintenance. They're making it more comfortable and hopefully, just hopefully, even edible. That was my goal for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it with a friend or on social media. Other ways to support realistic sustainability are, of course, becoming a monthly sustainer on our Anchor hosting site. You can also find that on greetingyourlife.org forward slash podcast. You can also simply just leave a five-star review. We haven't had one of those in quite some time. Click a like, click a follow, any of those things that can really help us out. And remember, we only get together each week so we can get a little bit better each and every day. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we will see you next week. Learning should always be fun. It's proven. When you make it fun, kids will remember. Here at Stepnetics, we believe in teaching kids about science, technology, engineering, and math by building projects. These students are building robots, rockets, electrical circuits, cars, and much more. STEM surrounds us, and the biggest companies in the world are tech companies. Let us help you support your little scholars and prepare them for the future. For more information, visit us at stemnetics.org.